Well, good morning, Southwinds. I want to welcome you to uh, Breakthrough Week Number Six. And before we get into our message today, I want to begin by by saying thank you to a number of people. First of all, uh, on this uh, Veterans Day weekend, I want to make sure that we express our gratitude to our veterans. I want to say thank you uh, to them. Uh, tomorrow, of course, is Veterans Day, and we are grateful to each one of you who has served um, and sacrificed for the freedoms uh, that we have here in our nation. Amen. And I, I also want uh, to say thank you to our Southwinds Disaster Relief volunteers who have actually been serving just in this past week. Uh, we had three people, and I know some of them are in the room right now, uh, um, Tim and Lori Neal and then Tony Kilberger who are up in Sonoma County. Uh, serving in the wake of the Kincaid fire. They were on uh, some feeding crews. I heard that Tim peeled 150 pounds of carrots. And so he deserves a round of applause for that right there. <laughs> um, and uh, at the same time, we also had three other people, Lacey Heineman and Eric Nielsen and Gary Vieira, who are part of disaster relief training up in the Sierras at our, our camp, Jeunesse Park. Uh, they were doing chainsaw training, which is getting them prepared uh, <clears throat> for future disaster relief work. Uh, we have dozens and dozens and dozens of you who are disaster relief trained. A number of you have already been deployed. And uh, we just like letting you know as a church family when our people are going out serving, this is part of who we are at Southwinds Church, uh, serving our world uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, seeking to make the gospel known. <clears throat> also, um, I want to just say thank you to every one of you who made breakthrough commitments this past Sunday. Uh, we have uh, been receiving more of them this week. We I know that a number of you will be bringing them or have brought them this Sunday. Um, and if you have, uh, after the service, on your way out, there's going to be um, some uh, guest service folks who will be standing at the doors with a basket. You can just drop uh, your cards there uh, during this time on your way out. Uh, over this next week, uh, for those of you who haven't uh, gotten it by today and you want to do that before next Sunday, which is Celebration Sunday, you can mail them in. Uh, you can drop them off at the office uh, if you want to do it that way. Uh, there's also online giving um, that many of you have already accessed. Um, and we just are so grateful and want to say thank you to all of you uh, who have made sacrifices and uh, made these commitments of faith. Thank you for that, and we'll look forward to celebrating uh, all that God is doing over uh, our lives in this next week. Uh, today, we are going to talk about five breakthroughs to a peace-filled life. And I think I'm pretty confident in saying that everyone wants to live a life of peace. We want to have that, that kind of peace in our hearts that is recognizing that God is with me regardless of my circumstances. And yet the truth of the matter is, we all know it, that, that peace is not a reality for many, many people. Uh, the statistics say that over 40 million Americans struggle significantly with anxiety. Uh, the statistics say that one-third of medical expenses deal with anxiety-related illnesses or diseases. And, and many people, maybe even many of, of us here right now, we just don't live with peace. But the truth is, the Word of God says that God wants His children to live with peace. Uh, Isaiah 54.10 is this incredible 
promise about peace. It says, the mountains may disappear and the hills may come to an end, but my love will never disappear. My promise of peace will not come to an end. That's the kind of peace God wants his people to know. Uh, You know these words, familiar words from Jesus to his followers, a promise from him. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So the question is, how how do we experience that? God has promised us this. How do we receive his promises? How do we live his promises out in our daily lives? Because the truth of the matter is, if you're like me, it doesn't always happen. Amen? I mean, I'm not always there. I'm not always accessing that promise of peace. So the question is, how do we break through to a peace-filled life? Now, I think it's important for us to be really clear about what this peace is. See, when I talk about peace, I think a lot of us envision uh, this kind of feeling of of perfect calm, and, and we're living in this place of of perfect circumstances. But that's not peace. That's vacation. (laughs) I mean, vacation is good. I hope you had a good vacation this year. I hope you have one coming maybe. But, But God wants to do something different in our lives. See, the kind of peace that God wants to give us is that even when I'm not on vacation and even when my life is a real big mess right now, he wants to have peace in that moment. He wants to give us peace in the midst of whatever we're going through. And you see, the thing is this. Maybe you ever thought of it this way, but we usually define peace as an absence. An absence of noise, an absence of strife, or an absence of struggle. But God's definition of peace is a presence. His presence in my life, no matter what else may be happening around me. And it's easy for us, I think, to equate God's peace with my circumstances because really, truth of the matter is, right, uh, our sense of inner calm goes up or down, up or down, up or down according to circumstances, right? Is that the way it usually works for us? I'm going to give you a few pictures, and you can just kind of tell me if your blood pressure goes up or down as you picture these things happening, you know, in your mind. First of all, let's just get right to it, Um, picture tomorrow a busy 10-hour day at the office and all kinds of stuff is going on and a lot of it's not good blood pressure up right now picture a jacuzzi or a spa set at just the right temperature and you're soaking in it right blood pressure goes down how about this one imagine a birthday party with 27 three-year-olds I mean, if you're a young parent right now, your blood pressure is skyrocketing, you know. I mean, this doesn't bother me at all because I don't go near those things ever. Um, but now, now picture sitting on a beach in Santa Cruz and it's the fall and nobody's there and it's 70s today, I checked. Your blood pressure goes down, Right? How about this one? Some of you have been waiting for this one. Picture a rush hour on the Altamont, right? Goes up. Or picture a hike around Lake Tahoe or 
or maybe somewhere up in the Sierra is your favorite spot. It goes down. This is the way it works. Circumstances and peace seem to go together. But this is different. This is so different than the peace God wants to give. Because God is promising us a peace that's not at the mercy of our circumstances. God is promising us a kind of peace that can be in our lives during that busy day at the office, during that birthday party, even during rush hour on the Altamont. And if God's peace can't be there in all of our lives, then it really isn't a promise of peace, is it? Again, peace is God's presence in your present. And a peace about God's presence is, is, is more than just the circumstances that I'm going through. God's peace is more powerful than your circumstances. It's more powerful than your emotions. And he can give you peace no matter what you're going through. See, the thing is, we all know how to have peace when everything's falling into place. God says, I want to give you peace when everything's falling apart. We all know how to have peace when the storm's over, but God says, I'm going to give you peace in the midst of a storm. Do anybody here, any one of you here, do you need breakthrough to a peace-filled life? So how do we experience that? How do we know that? What does God's word say to us? Well, I'm going to show you five ways, five things that we can experience in our lives that will help us begin to live a peace-filled life. And here's the first one. It's so fundamental. It's make peace with God. You can write this down in your notes. Make peace with God. And this is where a peace breakthrough begins because you can't have the peace of God until you make peace with God. And that means... You need to have entered into a relationship with him. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So the truth of the matter is, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way, if you are not a follower of his, if you have not met him in a real personal uh, way, you can't have this peace we're talking about because you have to be his child. You have to be in relationship with him. See, the Bible tells us this. This is the gospel. The Bible says that God is our creator. And even though God created us without sin, all of us have sin. Our sin has separated us from God. And the Bible says that we are God's enemies. We are hostile to God. God's holiness is also hostile to our sin. It stands against our sin. That means we live in a relationship that's adversarial. We need peace with God. Maybe you can think of it like this. You know, when your heart is not right physically, sometimes you need a pacemaker. When your heart is not right spiritually, always you need a peacemaker. You need peace made with God. You know, in our, in our pride with, with fallen people... We think we have to do something to make peace with God. And that's where a lot of us have already tried. You've been there, right? We have to do the right things. We have to be good people, do spiritual stuff, do good deeds, like going to church or praying certain prayers or giving some money, whatever we think it is. But the Bible never says that. The Bible never tells us it's about what we do. The ultimate truth really is that we don't make peace with God, but God makes peace with us. God takes the first step. God has already taken the initiative. Colossians 1 verse 20 tells us exactly how he did this. 
It says God made peace through the blood of Christ's death on the cross. And that's where our peace comes from. It comes from the cross. See, I'm separated from God because of my sin. And the Bible says that my sin deserves death. And so God in his love has sent his son, his only son, Jesus. And Jesus has died on the cross and he has paid the penalty for my sin. He has taken my punishment on himself. Jesus has made peace. He has taken away my separation from God, and he now offers me grace and mercy, forgiveness for my sins. He offers peace with God as a gift. And the question really is, first of all, have you received God's peace? See, I'm confident right now that there are some of you in this room, and this has not happened in your life yet, And maybe you've never realized this. Maybe you've never considered this. But this is where peace begins. And if you're not sure you have God's peace, then I just want to encourage you. Will you reach out to the Father today? Will you ask for his peace? See, it's not based on what you do. It's not about you making peace with God. It's about God making peace with you. And you just receive that peace by turning from your sin. That's called repentance. You receive that peace in faith by trusting what God has already done to forgive your sins, that he really has done this. You repent and you believe, and you can be sure about that today. In fact, you can pray right now if you've not taken that step. I mean, you don't even have to close your eyes. You know that? You can pray with your eyes open. (laughs) Maybe you need to say right now, Jesus Christ, I accept what you have done for me on the cross today. I am turning from my sin. I repent of my sin. I am turning to you, trusting you and receiving that gift of forgiveness, that gift of eternal life that you have given me. And I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to live the kind of life that I know you have made me to live. You can do that today. And you can just tell him, thank you for making peace with me through Jesus, your son, his death on the cross. You can receive salvation today. Will you do that today if that's not happened? In your life? See, if you've placed your faith in Christ right now on the basis of God's word, I I can tell you that your life and your eternity has just now changed forever. You have received God's peace and you are now in relationship with the God of the universe. He is now your father. You are a child of God. And as as his child, you need to know that your first step of obedience is to publicly profess your faith in baptism. And I have good news for you. Today at Southwinds, you can do that. We're going to be baptizing this afternoon at 3 o'clock. There's information in your program about that. And maybe, maybe you've taken this step today, and maybe you'll have a chance to follow through quickly and obey God in this way. God has made peace with you. Have you received his peace? See, it's the first step to a peace-filled life. You'll never know peace without this. This leads to the second peace breakthrough and once we know christ and that of course would be this the case for most of us here we need to do this we need to receive god's peace as a daily gift receive god's peace as a daily gift so you receive it as a gift it's kind of like salvation in this regard salvation as i've just said is a matter of believing and receiving i have to believe that god will do what he says in saving me i have to receive by faith his salvation. In the same way, I have to receive by faith his promise of peace in my life. I have to apply it to my life. Jesus says, I'm going to give you this peace. 
Now listen to where I get this truth. This is John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and, and do not be afraid. You know, some of you are working really hard. You're struggling to find peace. Jesus says, I just want to give it to you. Maybe you want to circle the words in your notes, I give. Peace is given. It's not earned. And Jesus' peace, he says, is not like the world's peace. Have you noticed the world's peace kind of comes and goes, like we talked about, circumstances up or down, comes, goes. Jesus' peace lasts. In fact, one rendering of this verse says, and the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. God's peace is lasting, not fragile. And I think you have to understand something. This incredible gift of God's peace, if you're going to receive it, you have to understand that there's a battle that's going on for you to receive it. And most of us, we think the battle is external. We think it's on the outside. We think the battle is about my circumstance. We think if, if I could just get rid of all the problems in my life, then I would have peace. But that's not the reality. That's not what the Bible is talking about. Jesus is telling us in this verse, the battle's on the inside. He says, I want to give you this gift of peace. And then he says, notice this, underline, do not let your heart be troubled or afraid. He's pointing out two enemies of peace in your life. It's a troubled heart and a fearful heart. A, a troubled heart, that's like worry and anxiety. A fearful heart, that's just fear. I'm afraid. And to enjoy peace with God in my life, I have to deal with my worry. I have to deal with my fear. And so I think that part of receiving the gift of peace is to make this a practice. You should write this down. Every day, ask Jesus to calm your worries and fears. Do you do that every day just as a, as a discipline in your life? Just every day, ask him. You know, there's a great picture uh, of this and a story in the Bible. You probably know it. It's in the Gospels. Jesus and his disciples are out in the Sea of Galilee. They're traveling from one place to another. And Jesus is tired from all his ministry work. And so he falls asleep in the boat. And you know the story. This huge storm comes up. And Jesus is so exhausted, he just keeps sleeping. And the storm is so huge that the disciples, even though they are veteran fishermen, they are scared to death. They're terrified. And so they wake Jesus up and they say, Jesus, you have to do something. And in Mark 4, 39, Jesus does. It says, Jesus stood up and he commanded the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind stopped and it became completely calm. I mean, it's an incredible miracle. I don't know if you know this, but every miracle Jesus does is meant to teach us something. Jesus doesn't, in case you're wondering, doesn't do miracles to show off. Okay? And here he's teaching us about what he can do in our hearts. He's telling us that he can stand up in the middle of any storm in your life and say, peace, be still. Be calm. He can do that in your life. See, Jesus may not calm the storm in your circumstances, but he can, and he will calm the storm in your hearts. Have you noticed how storms come? A storm sometimes comes suddenly, and sometimes they come in series, right? 
they just keep coming. They come again and again and again. And some of you are going through that right now. I mean, out of the blue, you didn't see it coming. It was an ambush. A storm came on you suddenly. And then another one. And then another one. And then another one, right? To God can bring his peace even in the midst of the worst storms we face in our lives. He has the power to do that. Now, some of us, we just try to weather our storms. But I have a question. Why just weather a storm when God can calm the storm in your heart? See, I don't, I don't know what storm you may be going through right now. I am quite confident that if somehow we could see in a visual way storms like little clouds with thunder and lightning above your heads, there'd be a whole lot of rain going on across this room right now. There's lots of storms happening in this room. Anybody want to say amen? amen? Maybe it's a storm in your family. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's with a kid. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe right now in your heart there's a storm of disappointment. Maybe there's a storm of grief or sorrow. Maybe it's a storm of loneliness. You sit in this crowded room and you feel like nobody else knows you're, you're here. Maybe it's a storm at work. It's a failure in your business. Maybe it's a personal failure. You have betrayed or failed your spouse or your family. Maybe the storm is long-term. You've been abused or taken advantage of. Maybe someone has cheated you out of something that you don't think you'll ever get back. And right now, you are so angry. Jesus can calm that storm. And the hurt may not go away. The storm may continue. But Jesus comes right into the middle of your pain. And he stands up and says, peace. Be still. Be calm calms the storm in your heart. And again, I just want to tell you, you can pray right now. Do you know that? Do you know you can pray while I'm preaching? I mean, you ought to be praying while I'm preaching. <laughs> if nothing else, just be praying for me. <laughs> but you can pray even while I'm preaching, and you can say, Jesus, would you come and calm the storm in my heart? Can you, would you pray that right now? Does anybody need to pray that? Just pray it right now. Just ask him. And Jesus says, yes, I will. I am coming. I will enter your life and I will calm that storm. I will give you peace in your heart. And again, receiving this peace is a matter of receiving it as a gift, believing that God has given this gift to you of peace. And maybe you just need to tell him, I, I don't know how to do this, I don't think, but I want to receive the gift of your peace. And you can tell him that. Ask him to calm the worry and the fear. That's, that's recognizing and receiving God's gift of peace each day. Now, once you receive it as a gift, there's something very practical that you can do each day to keep on receiving God's peace. It's really what I call the third breakthrough. And I'm going to just state it like this. You just take all your needs to God. Has anybody noticed so far that none of this is real complicated? Okay, you know, this is not rocket science we're talking about here. I, some of you are going, I've heard all this before. Okay, then why aren't you having peace in your life? You know? Like the real issue is not what do we know. The real issue is what are we doing, right? So take all your needs to, to God. Well, how do you do this? How do you break through from worry to peace? Well, very familiar passage of Scripture. Many of you know it. A lot of you have memorized it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ 
Jesus. There's a lot in those two verses. Paul says, first of all, I want you to notice that God's peace can guard your heart. Would you like that? And for that to happen, I think you need to understand the principle of anything and the principle of everything in this verse. The principle of anything is you don't worry about anything. The principle of everything is you pray about everything. So don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Are you doing that? See, the problem is if you're like me, sometimes we, we get our anything and our everything mixed up. You ever done that? You worry about everything, and you don't pray about anything. Anybody want to make a confession? And then we wonder why we don't have peace in our hearts. See, God says we can have a breakthrough of peace, and all we have to do is just take our needs to God. God says, just tell me your needs. It's not complicated. He says, just tell me and then thank me for the answers and you will experience my peace. And I think some of us struggle with this. Sometimes we find ourselves feeling like God doesn't have time for my needs. Sometimes we think, well, my requests are too small for him to worry about. But here's the thing. God just says, tell him what you need. No exceptions. Present your requests to God. Tell God what you need and then tell him as soon as you need it. That's another important insight. You know, I think one of the struggles many of us have is we wait until it all goes bad and then we pray. I have a question. Why not pray before it all goes bad and then maybe it won't all go bad? I mean, it's just a thought. I'm not promising it won't go bad sometimes, but I think you will be amazed at how many problems you avoid by praying in advance. How many of us need to be more proactive in our praying and less reactive? See, it, it also says here that God wants to set up his peace like a guard on your heart. Now, I'm sure that many of you have like home security systems and, and maybe you don't, but maybe there's a lot of break-ins in your neighborhood and you're thinking about it right now. You want to get like a home security system. You want to have a guard at your door to protect your, your home. And if you're going to do that, here's the thing. You don't wait until the thief shows up and then you call in and say, I need a guard. Like you have to do this in advance. So here's the thing. As soon as you know you have a need, just tell God. All through your day, God, I need this. You think, well, what if it's not what I really need? Well, God will tell you. He'll let you know. I mean, if you're open and listening, he'll say, no, you don't really need that. You need this. So you shouldn't worry about what you're asking for. Just ask and trust God to lead you through that. It's just one of the amazing things that happens when you tell God what you need. I just want to encourage you again to pray for peace in your life. Probably for most of us, you're not having God's peace because you're not even asking for it. You're not taking your needs to him. And I, I realized this week, thinking about this, I don't pray for God's peace enough. Just to say, God, I need your peace in this circumstance. If you read the Bible and look for it, you'll see there are so many prayers in the Bible asking God to give his peace. And you can pray those. I'll give you just one example. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. What's next? At all times. And in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Why don't we together Read those words. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you.
that's all you need to do. You just pray, Lord, would you give me your peace in all circumstances, in all times in my life. You just ask God. You let God know what you need. And this is, this is part of breaking through to peace. Here's the fourth way we break through to peace. This one might surprise you. Write this down. Get rest for your body. What a word to 21st century suburban commuting Tracyite mountain house ite <laughs> Lathropists us right okay is that a word for us I just want to point this out the Bible talks about it but we miss it to, to get God's peace and enjoy it on a daily basis you have to get rest for your body and I think I think maybe this is true for some of you that there are many people who lack peace and they think it's an emotional problem or they think it's a spiritual problem and maybe it's not. Sometimes that's it, but maybe it's not. Sometimes the truth is it's rooted in a physical problem. They don't have peace because they're exhausted. They don't get rest. You know, we, we tend to see our souls and our bodies as separate, but you need to know this. The Bible never teaches that. The Bible says God created us as we are, body and soul. We're a unit. And what happens with our bodies always impacts our soul. See, we may not be able to control all our circumstances, but there is a decision every one of us can make every week, and that is to get the rest that our bodies need. It's taking what the Bible calls a Sabbath. And it's one of the Ten Commandments. And it impacts our experience of God's peace. Now, we're not under the law. We don't have to live that out in the same way that it was required in the Old Testament. But the principle of Sabbath precedes the law. It's part of God's design for the universe. I happen to be uh, reading in Ezekiel right now as I'm going through the Bible, kind of my normal uh, discipline of reading through God's word every year. And I'm in Ezekiel. And... Um, and I came across this verse this week. It's Ezekiel 20, 12. God says to his people, and I gave them my Sabbath days of rest as a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I am the Lord who had set them apart to be holy. See, God designed our bodies and souls to need rest. And sub Sabbath helps that happen. And our, our creator, he just says that our, our bodies, the bodies he created, they need rest and they work best when we do what he says, when we follow his design, when we follow his plan. My car has a light that comes on and tells me when I need to change my oil. And um, a lot of yours do too. And the truth is my car's light is telling me this right now. Has been for a while. But it's still at 15%, so I still got time. You know, I'm going to get as much as I can out of that oil before I, I, I go to the dealer. And, um, you know, here's the point. If, if I don't change the oil, sooner or later, the car's not going to run as well. If I don't change the oil, eventually, the car's going to stop running, right? See, that's what happens with our bodies when it comes to rest. And we think, well, I don't have a time to have a day of rest you know and I think I'm doing fine but then all of a sudden has this ever happened to you you're not running quite so well kind of chugging along <laughs> pretty soon pretty soon if you don't do something about it you may totally break down 
Now, when, when, I, when I talk about rest, it's more than just physical rest that God's talking about. The physical rest is meant to do something for us. God is saying, when you get rest for your body, there's something I do inside of you. Did you notice that in the verse? He, he says that rest, the Sabbath, is to remind God's people that I am the Lord who has set them apart to be holy. And it's just telling us when we rest, we are, we are, this is saying that two things happen in our lives. First, rest reminds you who God is. So important. Second, rest reminds you who you are. He says to remind them that I am the Lord. And to remind them I have set you apart. I have a special purpose for your life. And see, some of us, we don't get that. We don't think we need rest. Our culture doesn't reward rest. And so we, we suffer because we are not following God's design for us. And if you are trying to make it without rest, then you are forgetting who God is and you're forgetting who you are. And you're going to lose peace. Don't do that. God wants to give you rest. Psalm 127 2 says, It is useless. Say useless. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. See, God is saying in a very loving way there, just stop. Some of you need to just stop. Take a day of rest, just one day out of seven, because God says, I don't give burdens, I give peace. And it's kind of an interesting thing. When we get the rest we need, something amazing starts happening in our lives. It actually kind of sets up what I might call God's a feedback loop of peace. Look at Proverbs 14.30. says, a heart of peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace gives life to the body. So when I get rest for my body, it gives my heart peace. And when my heart gives peace, it gives life to the body. And there's this, this feedback loop that's going on and it gives you a strength that God gives that allows you to do what he wants you to do in your life maybe strength you've never had before that might be an incredible breakthrough for some of you here's the final breakthrough to have God's peace you choose to focus your mind on God focus your mind on God you know one of the Greatest promises for peace, I think, in all of the Bible is Isaiah 26, verse 3. Maybe you know it. It says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. This is such a great promise. Why don't we read this one together as well? You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And see, here's the reality. My daily experience of peace is so much a matter of where I choose to focus my thoughts. You know, people around us are always saying stuff like, you know, think good thoughts. The Bible says, think God thoughts. You know, think about God. Think about God's peace. And when you do that, you will be amazed at the peace that comes into your heart. Notice, notice Isaiah writes, it's perfect peace. You know, your circumstances aren't perfect. Your emotions aren't perfect. The people around you aren't perfect. Amen. But God says, I want to give you my perfect peace. This is God's perfect peace in the midst of our imperfect world. Not perfect conditions, not perfect emotions, just perfect peace. Now, some of you right now may be thinking about all of this. You know, Mike, here's the thing. I mean, I, I pray about my anxiety, but for me, that just creates more anxiety. 
because I'm like thinking about the things I'm anxious about. Well, part of the problem may be sometimes we, we pray in the wrong way. And some of us may need to pray in a way where we're actually starting to break down our anxious thoughts. Paul talks about something like this in 2 Corinthians 10 where he says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know what this means? Part of what this means is this. It means that all of us have disobedient thoughts. Have you ever thought about that? You ever thought about the fact that some of your thoughts are disobedient? Some of you think as long as you don't do anything, you're okay. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. Some of our, our thoughts are, are disobedient, and we have thoughts, many of us, that are like running amuck in our minds, and our thoughts are causing all this chaos and all kinds of pain in us. It's what psychologists sometimes call stinking thinking. <laughs> and maybe it's for you, oh, you know, if I drive to work today, I'm probably going to get in a wreck. You just think random things like that. You know, you're thinking the worst possible scenario. Some of you think, you know, if my son fails this fourth grade spelling test, he'll never get into college. <laughs> or more seriously, maybe it's thoughts like, I I'm never going to get married. What is so unlovable about me? Or maybe it's, you know, I'm just always struggling with anxiety and panic attacks. Am I crazy? I mean, my mind just doesn't work. I should just give up. See, we have these thoughts. But the stinking thinking, I mean, do you know what those, those thoughts actually are? The Bible says they're lies. We have an enemy. And our enemy wants nothing more than to paralyze us and debilitate us by telling us lies, lies about ourselves, lies about the world around us, lies about God our Father. God doesn't care about you, he tells us, right? You've had that thought before, haven't you? God's not going to take care of you. You have to take care of yourself. I mean, all kinds of lies. And he knows that if he can get those lies in you, he can damage your life and maybe even derail your life. And that's why Paul is saying you have to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And sometimes, friends, if you want to have peace, you got to fight. This is like hand-to-hand -hand combat type praying sometimes. And we pray to focus our minds. And I kind of get this picture uh, about these kind of thoughts. Like, like Paul is saying something like this. you got to take a net and you're capturing that thought. You're, you're capturing it and you address that thought. You speak to that thought. All right, thought. Let me tell you what's really going on, thought. Have you ever done that? You tell that thought. Or those thoughts. You're, you're telling me that nobody loves me. My Father in heaven loves me. And I know he loves me, even though I don't feel it. Because he sent his son to die for me. That's truth. I know my Father loves me. Because I am not alone. I'm part of a family. Do you realize this? This is part of why you come here on Sundays, okay? You come here so you can realize you're not alone. You come here so you can realize you're part of a family. And this is why you need to get in a life group. If you're not in a life group, 
You know, some of these lies that we deal with in our lives, we're never going to break through and find the peace that God wants for us by ourselves. We need other people to help us. Does anybody know that? We take our anxious thoughts and we line them up against God's word. See, we need to ask ourselves as we have thoughts, does this thought I have line up with God's word? Does it line up with what God says about me? And if it doesn't, it may be a disobedient thought. And if it doesn't, doesn't and it's a disobedient thought, you need to take that thought captive. You need to make that thought obedient to Christ. See, we start to find freedom from the lies. When we do that, we can actually forge a path from anxiety to peace. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking. See, when we do that, it means that God's peace is calling the shots. God's peace is determining for us what is true and what is not. God's peace, that's reality. And we realize our thoughts, they're not true. That's not how God sees you. That's not how anyone else sees you. This is who you are in Christ. You are a beloved son or daughter. Saved from your sins. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Given new life to live forever. You are created from great things. You are accepted. You have a hope and a future. That's what God wants to do in our lives. God gives us his peace. And it comes about as we learn to focus our thoughts on him. Are you doing that in your life? Are you doing that through prayer? I want to give you a a picture as as we wrap this up uh, that can really be over all that we have talked about this morning, about over all these breakthroughs. And it's this. I think that God, God usually calls us to peace through a principle we see in the Bible that we might call the manna principle. You remember the story? God's people had been rescued from slavery in Egypt. They were out in the wilderness. He was taking them to the promised land. But before they could get there, because of their sin, they had to wander 40 years. And so they're hungry. And so they cry out to God. And God says, I will provide food for you. And so they wake up the next morning. And there was something all over, all across the floor of the desert. It looks sort of like frosted flakes. That's what it sounds like to me. And they picked these things up, and they said, what's this? And God said, that's a good name for this. We'll call it manna, which means, what's this? That would probably be a really bad name for a breakfast cereal. You know, are you going to buy a box of what's this? I'm not. Maybe you can think frosted flakes, but like with all of the nutrients and the power of a cliff bar. And that's what, that's what manna was. It gave them they, all they needed to survive. And it was great. It was what they needed. They could use it to make all sorts of things. And the Bible says they did. I mean, they, they did all kinds of things with it. I don't know for sure, but like baked manna, fried manna, poached manna, manna burgers, banana bread, <laughs> manicotti. I could just keep going all day. I mean... But here's the thing, God gave some rules about this. He said, you can gather as much as you need, as much as you want, it'll be there, but you can't keep any of it overnight. God said, take what you need, but don't take too much. But of course, some people didn't listen. You would have never done that, right? 
I mean, that person sitting next to you, they probably would have, but never you. You wouldn't have done that. But some of those people did. They took extra, got up the next morning to go get some of their extra because they didn't want to have to go out and gather it again. And it was rotting. It smelled. It was crawling with maggots. And God was teaching them a lesson. See, manna had everything you needed to survive. But it was gone in 24 hours. And they probably wondered, God, why can't you give us enough manna to last a lifetime? God said, just trust me every day. You see where we're going with this? It's the same way with peace. God gives us enough peace to last for 24 hours. No more, no less. Because what God was teaching those people in the desert is the same thing he wants to teach you. It's not the manna they needed to look to. It is God they needed to look to. And God says, you don't need to look to my peace. You need to look to me. And you need to trust me. He wants to provide you peace. He wants to give it to you in each and every moment, each and every day. God says, I will give you enough peace to get through the day. But you need to keep coming back. You need to keep coming to me. You need to keep asking me for peace. You need to keep relying on me for peace. See, it's only when we begin to do all these things and, and do them day by day by day that we experience this peace. See, do you understand that anxiety, which is the opposite of peace, is, is really ultimately about me wanting to control my circumstances, wanting to control the conditions of my life. Anxiety is about me managing my world, saying, God, I want to be independent of you. I'm going to take care of things on my own. That's what anxiety wants to do. But God wants to teach us dependence on him. And as we depend on him and we draw our strength from him and we find our peace in him day in and day out, we grow in our faith. We experience more and more a peace-filled life. I want to remind you of something. Manna had another name. They called it bread from heaven. Our bread from heaven is the bread of life. And his name is Jesus. Jesus wants you to draw strength and peace from him every single day, every single moment. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to find your peace in him. And when we do that, we will start breaking through to a peace-filled life. Amen? Would you bow your heads as we pray together?